Just a reminder, everyone, the topics covered in this podcast are general in nature. They haven't taken into account your personal circumstances, and it's important to seek personal financial advice if you want to address any of the subject matter. Hello, welcome to the Money Men episode of the, what is it? The 15th, 15th of, of September. September, 2023. And we're recording I'm, on a Friday. Oh, here we are. We're a day late, aren't we? We are. I'm Steve and I'm here with Luke and we're the Money Men. How are you going, Steve? Good, thank you. Good. Uh, remember everyone to leave a review, spread the word, grow the movement. Mm-hmm. Which movement's that? The Money Men movement. The Money Men movement. Got to hashtag it. Yep. Um, Okay, let's have a look at what's happened over the past fortnight before you tell us what we're going to talk about this fortnight. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, so, so, so markets in the last fortnight, um, we're, as we're recording, the ASX or the Australian market is obviously open. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not obviously, we're recording at about 1.30 mm-hmm. um, p.m. So where it stands of the fortnight, uh, the Australian was up is up about half a percent. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows where that'll land by the end of the day, but it looks like the trend is up and you know everything's come out reasonably strong mm-hmm. um and i'll be perfectly honest and frank i don't exactly know why why it's so strong today mm-hmm. um i'm sure there's some bit of information that's made people who are trading shares excited mm-hmm. um the us s&p 500 flat for the fortnight um closed last night out uh, the early this morning our time and then the dow jones again closed early this morning our time um is up half a percent for mm-hmm. the fortnight yeah as usual it's been a volatile fortnight um look at it every day and you know i, I know some people who do look at their mm-hmm. portfolios every mm-hmm. day and uh, they very much notice the the volatility i was talking to a fellow yesterday who was telling me that over a very short period of time he'd calculated that his investments had covered the cost of the new car he'd purchased mm-hmm. um and then uh, very shortly afterwards, uh, had um, the market had actually taken that back again. <laughs> so um, that's, yeah, that's what happens. Um, yeah, that's the reality and, of. And we and we don't care what happens over the course of a fortnight, do we? We absolutely don't. Mm. And, but it's, and not, that, it's nice to tell people. Yeah, and, it, it, and, is, and, yeah, it is. It is. It's nice. A little bit of an update. Nice, yeah. nice to talk about. Um, residential property. I mean, of course, we Steve and I will definitely make sure that you know we get a we we talk about property, so we want to get a property expert on. Um, Seems buoyant. Um, my observations, just having a look and just, you know, having a look at what, what are selling in the suburbs that I live in and stuff like that, it seems that there's some houses that are up on the market, get under offer, um, you know, in what appears to be, you know, a good price range mm-hmm. for the vendor um, and, I'm, and I imagine the purchaser as well. Um, and then they're off and back on the market again. So I, I don't know if people have been crunched on the finance Side, so you know, people are probably comfortable to pay the prices that um, they're being asked to pay, but I'm suspecting that with the banks' servicing rates, you know, they're built in at obviously higher mortgage rates, and then they build another buffer um, buffer on top of that. Um, it's probably pinching people, and it's interesting. Like you know, the idea of that pinch is effective, but are we other are we at the top of the rate cycle i mean i don't i'm not saying like this with any authority and i don't really know but if we're at the top of the rate cycle is there any point really building in an additional buffer um that's substantial and i'm mm-hmm. hearing that the buffers can be up to three percentage points mm-hmm. um yeah. different lenders have different yeah different buffers, lenders so. um yeah um so, yeah, so it's yeah, interesting yeah, but that, i i would absolutely say that um 
you know, offers are falling over because of finance um, more so than they ever have. And uh, it just goes to show that if you're in the market and you need finance to purchase, then you need to be having your pre-approval in place and you need to be updating that pre-approval pretty regularly um, because you can get get a shock when it comes to actually buying your pre-approval that you had six or 12 months ago is way out of date you know based on an interest rate two or three percent lower yeah and uh you go to the bank toddle off to the bank and say hey this is the one i want to buy and they say well great but bad luck you know yeah it's going to be tough um and it, it also shows me too that you know people should possibly be looking to work with mortgage brokers good mortgage brokers um because as you just said earlier not every lender has the same buffers and Mm. uh and policies around their their lending and serviceability anyway it's enough of property but yeah property you know i've got a i've had a couple of people that i know clients recently who have sold and they've sold very quickly and what I would consider to be a very fair price. Yeah, mm. it's interesting, mm. isn't it? The, you know, not to digress too much, but on the back of this, we're hearing, you know, how hard it is still for people to get into property, and, you know, I'm, I'm sure it is, and, and it is, like, if you look at the numbers. But mm. there's a lot of incentive that the government have introduced, and I think in 2020 or 2021, there were the highest number of first-home buyers um, had had as a proportion had entered in back into property so like there was these big measures that sort of got deployed and you know they're still sort of filtering through so i just find it so interesting is you know how topical property can be and how emotive it can be um you know for people and their investments and stuff like that but yeah um anyway it's interesting it's still still buoyant but yeah definitely i've noticed a couple that i've thought oh it's weird that's back up on the market Mm. so so you know you're probably absolutely right steve it's financing falling over and Mm. and make sure you got your ducks in a row if you're looking to buy absolutely okay what so we're going going to do a couple of fortnightly wins Mm -hmm. in a sec and then what are we going to talk about after that Luke? we're getting a bit of um just in meetings Steve and I are having we're getting people talking about gifts making gifts to family members and taxation implications mm-hmm. um, so um, we wanted to talk around some of the misconceptions around that yep. um, wanted to talk about Qantas uh, don't know how long we'll talk about it for but just you know how the fall from grace of the market darling another mm-hmm. market darling falling from grace okay. <laughs> seems, seems to be lots um I had a little note down here because I was only thinking about it during the week and I thought to myself, if you have extra money, like for someone out there who has extra money, and of course we've got to be very careful, there's general advice and, you know, you do need to still get it all, all, the, all the, you know, right advice and all that type of stuff. But if someone's sitting with surplus cash flow and they're sitting idle and they don't know what to do with it, um, I've got a question that I'm going to pose to you and I'm going to... I've got an answer, and I want your response as well. So if we've yeah. got extra money, what do you do with it? You're going to put me on the spot, are you? I am. Okay. I'm up and, for and, it. and I'm sure you're going to give it back to me. No, I'm up for it. Okay, let's uh, see how we go up until then. So the first one is uh, fortnightly wins. So tell me about a win that you've had for the fortnight. Um, being able to help a friend of a client of the business um, understand the mortgage rate cliff that is impending and coming to 
suck every last dollar of money <laughs> away from her. Um, I say that. I say that. That's glass half empty. Yeah, yeah. I say that with a bit. I say that with a bit a bit of tongue in cheek. Um, she is staring down the barrel of um, you know fixed rate due to expire in I think November mm-hmm. of this year. Um, effectively moving from a 2.5% interest rate to a, you know, call it a six, mm-hmm. um, I think is what the bank indicated on today's numbers. Obviously, that could change depending on what variable rates are doing. Um, now, she had been told by people close to her, not our clients, um, but other people, um, that because her interest rate is going from, call it two, to six percent, um, which is Three times. Three times mm. increase. Mm-hmm. Um, that her mortgage repayments, say, for example, they're important. 300 bucks a week, they're going to go to $900 a week, okay. um, which is absolutely wrong. Mm-hmm. It, it is just completely wrong. And this had driven this particular person into a frenzy of, do I sell my house? How, how the hell am I even going to continue to live? Mm-hmm. Um, which is not an unreasonable um, <laughs> just not an unreasonable sort of query to have. Based on the information. Based on the information she was provided. She, she, she was yeah. provided. Now, as we, we, we know that although the interest rate has increased, your repayments aren't going to necessarily double or triple. Mm-hmm. Um, so they will increase. They but, will increase, yeah. but it, remember, everyone, that it's the interest on the outstanding balance that increases, mm-hmm. not the outstanding balance mm-hmm. itself. Yeah. Um and so that just is a bit of a misconception because when people are making a mortgage repayment, they're paying both interest on their fortnightly, weekly or monthly repayment typically and principal. So mm-hmm. they're paying some of the loan down. So so the interest will increase correctly in this example by those proportions. So there yeah. will be a... a um, if, if, that, if a part of that payment that was interest was $100 a week... That's exactly right. ...then that part would increase to $300 a That's week. exactly yeah, right. That bit. Yeah. yeah. So, right. so I'll give you a little bit of an example. And I'm not saying that, you know, this isn't... Um, you know, it's still an increase and it's still a cash, yeah. um, you know, it's an outgoing that needs to be managed by this particular household. But the the loan will effectively increase from $300 a week to $450 a week. Mm-hmm. So so not the not, not the doomsday yeah. $900 a week, which is what she's been um, mm-hmm. fed by um, people around her. Yeah. Um, you know, a $150 increase um, and one that was almost immediately flagged uh, by her as being manageable. Hmm. So, um, you know, manageable, like tight, but manageable. Yeah. Um, and the relief, like it's so obvious to me and you um, hmm. that this is how it works. But for some people out there, they just, it's just not, it's not understood clearly. Hmm. Hmm. And then when you've got, you know, extra info coming into you um, that's not Correct, then you know you could you could really work yourself into a frenzy. So I just it was a nice win just to have a conversation with someone. Didn't necessarily engage in any formal financial planning work or anything like that in our day job, um, just to help her understand it. We do a lot of that. We 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 do a lot of helping people on an unpaid basis. Um, we do, but, but that's but in our a gen, in a general way, and yeah. and we like to give, um, and it, it shows to me that. Um, you know, there are a lot of people who um, need some guidance. Yeah. You know? And what we do find, don't we, don't we, is that um, 
initially it might be that general information and advice and just giving people a bit of a steer and then as time goes on they engage with us and, and become um, clients I guess exactly right yeah. I don't know how I wandered into that topic um, just right. then but I did what's, um, your, what's your win? Um, I met with uh, a couple earlier this week actually mm-hmm. um, who've actually been working with for three or four years and when I met them, they had a lot of debt. They were actually under an arrangement um, to repay debt and, or, or go bankrupt, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, so we had to do a lot of work early, and, and that early work was unpaid work. It was around guidance on how to actually get on top of cash flow. Mm-hmm. So the old B word, budget, okay? So that, was, that came into play. Um, and also, interestingly, the Barefoot Investor book played a part because... The other B word. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the Barefoot Investor book actually got this couple um, thinking yeah. about um, compartmentalising their cash flow. Yeah. Okay, so they have the various accounts. And that's worked really well for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's one of the... Yeah. But they didn't they didn't have enough confidence or knowledge to be able to, to go just that follow, follow the book and, yep. and do the next step. So yeah. No, so that was the early work we did that. Now, three or four years down the track, you know, I had a had, had a meeting with them and, you know, they're they're saving for the rainy day. They're saving for um, fun things. Mm-hmm. Right? So they've got all that compartmentalised. Um, they're paying all their bills. Um, they've got a new car. All right? I've, after all the problems they had with debt, they didn't have to borrow to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and doing regular investing outside and inside of super. Yeah, great. Um, and they're feeling so much more happy and comfortable and mm, confident yeah. as a result of their money being sorted out. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a good win. That's a great win, yeah. mate. No, it's, it's good to see, you know, those sort of long burn... Hmm. Not long burned, you know, but, it, but you know, you put some effort in up front and... I mean, when people take control of their finances, lots of other things fall into place. Yep. You know, I, I find that, you know, you might have the couple who um, aren't in control of their finances and they're always fighting or nipping yep. at each other yep. about money, yep. you know. Um, but when they do have a joint plan and a joint goal around their money, then that piece of conflict disappears. Yep. Um, I can fight about something else then. But, but, you know, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's very important, yeah, I think. You, but this was a, a good reminder yeah. to me that those those um, foundation things um, pay dividends and, and help people get ahead. Yeah, and just on the industry, mm-hmm. the, the big problem with the day jobs that we do in the financial planning industry is that there is not an affordable, efficient way to engage that client and make it valuable for them and valuable for the advisor necessarily. I'm not saying that you you haven't played the. This sounds bad. I'm you know played the long game and and you know there will be some upside for both parties. But it's just so interesting that you know we can see it staring us in the face and. You know, the rigmarole and red tape that you necessarily have to go through to help that typical person is just not worth hmm. if, um, Not worth it. If anyone from the government is listening to this podcast... Yeah. Um, write me an email. Write us an email. <laughs> and, you know, I, I 
You know, the fact is I could be sitting with a 21-year-old person who, you know, they, they just want to talk about what super fund or how they should invest in their super. Mm-hmm. Now, to give formal advice on that, I have to do a 30-page document yep. um, and tick all the boxes and cover cover everyone's backside yeah. um, when I know the answer. Yeah, it's, you know? It's just <laughs> I know straight away within five seconds what they should be doing. But I have to go through this long-winded process um, that assumes that everyone's the same. And listen, there's a long-winded process that we need to go through for those that are, have a more complicated situation. We're dealing with more money and and um, and some bigger goals. But yep. anyway, I'll stop that rant now. I went off. I went off there for a minute. It's all right. I left my body. It's all right, mate. <laughs> but I'm no, back. no, I'm, but I'm, I'm back. Yeah. yeah. So so if you're listening, yeah. get get in touch. Yeah. Whoever you may be, Mister or this parliamentarian um gifts and tax gifts, Steve. gifts and tax um yeah we, that, that has come up for me recently too so and you said it has for you so um okay well it's obvious isn't it if i want to give away stuff to someone in the family then i get taxed on it yeah of course i did or, or there's some implication mm. that you know there's some way that you know mm. that someone's taking something the government mm. is somehow taking some of that money that i'm gifting yeah and, now, I, and i've obviously said that tongue-in-cheek but um what what do we know regarding gifts if you've got 50 grand sitting in your bank account you want to give it to your son mm-hmm. or your daughter or your brother mm-hmm. or your mm-hmm. you know, whatever uh, you, you can do that you can. How much tax is going to get paid on that fifty grand? Surprisingly, for some, you might uh, find mm. out that it's actually zero. Mm. Um, and if it was fifty million dollars mm. sitting in a bank account gifted to your uh, child, and mm. I don't suggest you do that, mm. um, just whatever age they are, mm. um, it, there's also no tax. There's also no tax. So yeah. you're, you're it's free. A, yeah, there's, there's potentially tax on the earnings of the of the money once it's oh, in the other person's hands. Yeah, but that's I mean, a different thing. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that is a, a different. It's a different yeah. layer of tax. Is earning, you know, mm. it's earning income. That, you know, that fifty grand or fifty million dollars received by the individual, that's not income they need to report in mm. a tax return. Mm. That's not that's not anything that mm. needs to be reported anywhere. It's mm. a transfer of money um, that has no tax implications for the recipient of the gift. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has no tax implications for the gift uh, for the person giving. Yeah. Um, you know, you could boil that down to another level and say if that money was invested in a share or a property and you had to sell it and pay tax to then gift. It, then yeah, there's a there's tax payable. There would be there would be tax payable whether you sold it to give away or you exactly sold it to keep. exactly yeah, right. Yeah. So we actually have to isolate that out of this equation and purely understand that the the action of giving money to someone with after tax tax paid dollars there are no tax implications. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, there are some implications though. Yeah. What are they? In the Rare circumstance where you might be in receipt of social security payments. Mm-hmm. So um, typically this one would be age pension. So you're talking about the gifting rules, aren't you? Gifting rules. Yeah. So, okay, can I tell you how I understand the you gifting You can rules? tell me how you understand it, Steve. Okay, so I don't think there's a tax. Um, <laughs> That's a good and, point, and actually. I, I don't think there's necessarily any detriment because... Even if you are on the age pension or a disability pension or another asset-tested pension, you know, within certain limits, if you, if you, you can give, give it all away. You, know, you can give all of your money away. There's no rule that says that you can't do that. 
all that happens is that you can't get any more age pension as a result of it, yep. of giving it away. So if you give away half a million dollars mm. because you think by doing that you're going to get more age pension because mm-hmm. you don't have the half a million dollars mm-hmm. anymore, well, you're wrong. Uh, because yep. the Centrelink, I guess, um, judges that, yeah, you've given it away, great, good on you, happy for you. Um, I doubt that they'd be happy for you, but, you know. And they say, that's all right, but we're going to count that you've got the vast majority of that still in your yeah. possession, and yeah, we're going to assess your assets test and income test based on you still having that asset or for, money. For a uh, period uh, of? Five years. Yep. Apart, all, all but $10,000 per year, up to $30,000 yeah. over a five-year yeah, period. It's, yeah. it's almost not even, you know, it, it, it's, all, it's almost a point, in my opinion, this is my opinion, you know, that, that 10 grand in one year or 30, 30 grand over three years or whatever it five, is, five years, uh, five years yeah. you know, it's, all, it's, it's, it's almost inconsequential mm. on, on payment rates if your assets tested mm. for Centrelink purposes, mm. um, almost. I'm not saying mm. it is Makes entirely... A difference, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, it's just interesting. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting... Yeah, so the misconception there is that if you're an age pension or, or a government payment that you can't gift any money over $10,000, well, you can gift whatever you like, mm, yep. but you have to understand that you're not going to get any greater benefit from um, from Centrelink than you would have before giving the gift of the money away. That's, that's exactly Does right. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, yeah, so your pension payments will remain the same. Mm-hmm. But you won't have the money anymore. You won't have the money in the mo- anymore and someone else someone else will have the money <laughs> that it. you've gifted it to. And I'm sure they'll be grateful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's just yeah, it's, it's, it's such an interesting one that it comes up and it's just this ingrained misconception, you know, similar mm-hmm. to my comment around the person um, having to incur the fixed interest rate to mm-hmm. the variable yeah. interest rate, just the misconception that exists around some of these big financial... And then um, the other thing around gifts is, you know, all that sort of thing is, you know, the, the death tax issue, you know, what, you know, how much death tax will have to be paid. Well, there isn't a death tax in Australia, but there are some tax implications around certain things. So, yeah. You know, for instance, if you're left your parents' family home, um, you know, through a will, um, then, you know, there are certain rules around, you know, if you dispose of that family home at a point in the future, then there's, you know... Um, you know, potential capital gains, that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, and, and 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 just on that, Steve, it's extremely, it's an extremely generous um, scheme anyway. Just so everyone's CGT, well aware. Yeah, um, and then with superannuation, you know, generally speaking, that can pass through to um, dependent beneficiaries tax free. Mm-hmm. Um, but those who aren't dependent, so a non-dependent child, or could potentially have a tax. Um, amount to pay if they were to receive a lump sum from, say, their parents' estate or whatever. Yeah, and, mm. unless they get really good advice and... Um, mm. Yeah. And Potent- yeah. <laughs> Potent- yeah. Look, there's, there's, there's few mm. and far circumstances where you don't end up paying a little bit of tax on, mm. on um, you know, deceased, estate, deceased superannuation death benefits where you're not a taxation dependent. Yeah. Um, but, you know, again, it's, it's not like... It's money that's just withheld. Like it's not like something you would have missed otherwise mm. necessarily. Yeah. But yeah, there's no formal death tax. There are some superannuation taxation implications. But you know that that as time goes on for people, they need to be understood. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, gifting and and tax and and all that type of stuff. You know, it's a, it's a bit of a fallacy more than anything. Yeah, but you know, we're around to help people. Yeah, you know, correct 
their it, perception? It, mm. not, it's funny when, mm. you know, you say to someone, oh, there's actually no tax, and they kind of look at you a bit silly thinking, yeah. well, what do you mean? Uh, George, 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 George told me, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I just, sometimes you've got to just sort of gently um, let them see the light. Yeah. Okay, um, it's gifts and tax. Um, we mentioned the B word earlier, um, and you want to talk about the Q word, don't you? The Q word, yeah, the Q sure. Word. What's um, the Q word? Qantas. 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 Yeah. Qantas has been in the news. Yeah, it is. Mm. They have. They have, haven't for, they? For probably the last ten years, twenty years. <laughs> but um, tell me, tell me why you want to talk about Qantas. I'm interested in in just you know, you know, obviously the money man has a money connotation. Mm. Um, but, you know, I also like to sort of break out into some of these other things that sort of um, uh, stick around shares and in investments in business, and there's almost a psychological element to it, isn't there? Yeah. Um, but let me explain to you what, what I mean. In 2020, Qantas was, and I'm not sure if anyone remembers this, but Steve and I did do a podcast on this, Qantas was um, about to go broke. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a really, really big deal this is tongue in cheek mm-hmm. for the country, <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Look, there'll be mm-hmm. someone out there that says it's a national carrier and you, mm-hmm. you're an idiot, and, mm-hmm. and you know they, there's no way they could go broke. But long story short, is Qantas as a company mm-hmm. isn't actually that big mm-hmm. compared to what? Compared to other okay. Australian companies. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you could draw some conclusion there and say, well, if they're not that big, then that, they're not that important. Um, I'm not saying that they're not important, but they're not that big. Um, as an example, BHP, which is Australia's largest company by market capitalization at the moment, is 25 times bigger mm-hmm. than Qantas today. Mm-hmm. Um, and also was a lot bigger than Qantas at the point of, you know, the peak of the pandemic when their share price had obviously gone down Um Substantially. Now, now Qantas, sir, everyone knows, is, is valued at $9 billion. That, mm-hmm. That's the company's market, sorry, that's the capitalization of the company. So the yeah, share price so multiplied by the amount of shares. Yep. So you'd be, you know, the way that it's still a lot of money. It's still a lot of money, and I'm not, discre- you know, I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not discrediting that at all. But you'd be forgiven to think, uh, you know, the way that the news writes around Qantas yeah, and the media covers it Qantas. Have, have to be the big, one of the biggest Australia, Australia, Australia. Australia. Yeah. Well, you would you would think think so, and and the the fact of the matter is it's not. <laughs> so twenty twenty, Steve. I I thought it's interesting. So in twenty twenty, she was gonna, you know, she was gonna die and mm. and and fall off the face of the earth, and and you know, if we reverse back a little bit more to twenty eighteen, um, in terms of Qantas's um, brand recognition, they rate they rated as the most recognised brand in Australia in 2018. Now, hasn't that come home to roost in some respects? Because when we look at this company that isn't actually that big in the scheme of things, um, you know, isn't actually that big in the scheme of things, has, you know, really strong brand recognition, um, people are backfiring a little bit on it. So, you know, it's just an interesting... Um, sequence of events to watch now let's fast forward a little bit very quickly it turns out that you know Qantas is profitable again so that's great I Mm -hmm. think they 
I think their net profit was around two two and a half billion dollars, or, or or a bit under, mm-hmm. in the last financials. Mm-hmm. Um, that driven themselves from a what one one billion dollar loss um, in twenty twenty or twenty twenty one. I think I'm not sure on the exact financial year in which one it was. Obviously, it was the depths of COVID, mm-hmm. um, and they're making a lot of money now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they received a lot of money and support too, didn't they? Well, see, it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, if you break it down. I, th- I believe the numbers, inclusive of you know um, the, the payment, what were the payments received, job job keeper and, like and, and, and all that, cash flow boost, yeah, cash flow boost, job keepers, the rest. Um, I think the company roughly received one point nine billion dollars in you know payments during that period of time. <laughs> You know, and and they're profitable at two and a, you know two and a half billion dollars in the last financials, and and so all of a sudden you had this you know quick turn on a company that is actually doing the right thing by its shareholders. Interestingly, because the share shareholders actually wanted to make money, yep. um, so that's good. Yeah. And now you've got this situation where other companies in Australia, I'm just going to flag, have made a lot more money than them in the last reporting period. Yeah. <laughs> now you've got this smaller company copping a lot of flack um, over, you know, some profit, some, you know, uh, branding issues really because of, you know, because of the brand recognition you've got, yeah. you've got people sort of back, it's backfiring. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just it's just so interesting to observe the delicate nature of the way companies can be looked at um, in the public eye, um, in particular, in the public eye when they're quite a um, when they're a company that takes their public perception really important. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just it's just you know if we want to boil it down, and I'm sure you've got some comments on this. If you want to boil it down, what I'm trying to point out is is that you know companies go through ebbs and flows of you know market cycles and. You know, almost fall off the cliff, mm. um, and then at the end of the day, they can make some money and still be unpopular. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, still, so go go figure. Still, still be under threat because that, that, that lack of popularity now, that that public and government backlash, mm. um, has the potential to um, cause trading to you know their their operations to fall. Um, not have as many fares. People going to you know alternative airlines. Mm-hmm. And their profit um, will be affected. Okay, so um, does it does it also highlight that you can never know for sure whether one stock is going to um, perform well in any given period this of time? Isn't like it? You could probably almost be forgiven um, through before COVID mm-hmm. in thinking that airline stocks were a sure thing. Mm. There's more and more people travelling, and the, you know the the world is smaller and, and whatever. And then all it takes is bang, just this little pandemic, um, to create havoc. To, you know, and, yeah. and 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 not only create havoc, but continue to be the gift that's still giving. It's mm-hmm. you know I I was talking this years ago, mm-hmm. started COVID, and I was talking to a friend of mine, and Qantas might have halved or mm-hmm. gone to. Two or three dollars a share, and you know he's he said to me, "Oh, great time to buy some Qantas." And I'm thinking, "Well, yeah, probably probably is actually." Yeah. Um, I think the share price has recovered to sort of five and six dollars since. I think it's trading a little bit lower because obviously all this noise. Um, but you know, what's staring you in the face is okay. People can't travel. 
share price gets crushed, we know the company's going to be unpro- not going to be profitable for a period of time. Um, but the bet is is that you know things will go back to some form of normality. Hey, that's a good bet. That's what's happened. <laughs> Could have you predicted that a profitable company would be punished <laughs> to the level that it's currently being that's punished right, right. under uh, under public scrutiny? Yeah. It's, 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 so yeah, just to hit home at your point, it can be a good company. Hmm. It can be a great buy. It doesn't necessarily make it a good investment. Hmm. I, and I'm not saying that Qantas is a bad investment. I'm just using it as an example to show you the layers of volatility that even fall outside a good company that can influence the business. And it's exactly what you're saying. And and my point is a, you know, a relatively small company in the Australian share market, extremely good brand recognition. That might appear to be a really good green tick for some people, but it's a double-edged sword, mm. and and it is playing out right in front of us. So, yep. yeah, it's just it's just an interesting thing to to observe. And uh, highlights the fact that you shouldn't put all your eggs in one basket when you're investing. That's exactly. Why, that's why we're often sprouting diversification, aren't we? You we get, are. Get a bit of everything. We are. Okay, we've finished on the Q word. <laughs> what are we moving on to now? Ah, uh, you talked about. Um, where you think people oh. should put money if they've got any spare cash. I'll ask you a question. Mm-hmm. This relates to the topic. Mm-hmm. Where would you save money if you had spare cash but don't really know where to start? I've got an idea. Mm-hmm. Where would you put it? Um, it's hard because I'm not that. But um, I, I'd put it in the bank. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, if I, if I was that to say that, what, what are you talking about, 20-year-old person or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd yeah. Pop, it, pop it in the bank. And yeah, well, if you're asking where I would put it now at this old stage of life, um, it's probably different to what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, it's probably, the, young, it's probably in the golf clubs, <laughs> golf balls, if you're losing them. Um, I don't. Um, okay, cool. Is that a shot across <laughs> the bows to me or about to be? But yeah, anyway. Um, so I would, have, I would think that if I was a much younger me, um, then my answer to that would have been I'd put it in the bank yeah. and get yeah. some interest. And mm. it's interesting. So, so I'm I'm just going to answer mm. this question, you know, uh, very directly. Um, it's my own question, mm-hmm. and I've got my own answer for it. Yeah. I'd put it into superannuation, mm-hmm. and and I'd put it into superannuation, assuming I'm working via salary sacrifice, and mm-hmm. and and I would do that, even if I hadn't given any thought to arguably given any thought to what fund I'm in mm-hmm. and arguably even given any thought to what investment I'm in. Mm-hmm. That's the layer that's the layer that I'm dumbing this down, mm-hmm. you know, excuse the you know, the phrase. But what I'm seeing so often is people want to invest. They don't know where to start. They don't know what platform to use or mm-hmm. product or solution or what mm-hmm. investment to pick. And Often, as a result, they do nothing if they don't get advice. Now, not everyone is going to get advice. Um, So for me, I look at it and say, well, you know, there's difficulty in setting up an investment outside of super. You know, do I invest in this? Do I invest in that? I heard that. I heard this. I see little downside in just saying, hey... I've already got an investment set up for me, which is my super fund. Assuming, I'm assuming yeah. I'm working. Like yeah, I'm just, I'm just, the vast majority of Australians would have a super fund. Yep. Yeah. Um, and you could even argue if they weren't working, there's some, there's some upside in, mm. in, in just uh, having, yeah. having a crack and just 
plop plopping it into super so to speak but yes yeah, so I, I see no issue if you've got surplus cash flow you don't know what to do with it you're not doing anything else with it other than saving it there is a big obvious answer in front of you and it's consider making tax effective contributions into superannuation and if they don't need to be tax effective just consider making contributions into superannuation mm-hmm. um, it's going to go into something that's most likely invested if it's a really crappy fund um, at some point in time that fund's going to have to write to you and amalgamate anyway to a half decent fund mm-hmm. um, so there's sort of low risk there anyway like if it's this really you know if it's a dog of a super super product it's going to be forced to amalgamate with someone else who's half decent mm-hmm. um, so I'm sort of just saying like you can almost you can almost be a bit um, you know sort of set and forget a bit benign about it and just go boom off you go it's, it, it's going somewhere um, look and, in an and, ideal, and if you need later on after a little bit of you know education or reading or mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. or research or mm-hmm. advice, if you decide that there's a better place to put that regular surplus cash flow, where you can just stop doing the super and put it into something else. And that's the point. Like I, I, I seem to find this fallacy a bit more with meeting with clients is that hey, when we start doing X, Y, Z investing, whether it's salary sacrifice or putting some money into a super and sorry a non super investment. It's locked away. It's but well, no, it's not. Like you can wind all of it back. Mm. Yes, of course, the superannuation contributions that are put into super are preserved until retirement or a condition of release is met. So that mm. that's okay. I think. I think mm. that's a consequence of. Well, I didn't have any money in my bank account. I've put it into super. It's invested at least, and mm. and you know I'm starting again if I need to actually wind that contribution back. Yeah. Um, so I think that's actually a consequence that's worth wearing in most instances. Like not everyone's circumstances are exactly the same, but mm. you know can't stress that enough. But my point is, don't be that person that just does nothing, yeah. or then they do something and they go and buy something like cryptocurrency, yeah. <laughs> which I've been seeing as well. Yeah. And it's like, well. You know, yeah, you don't need to take bets. Yeah, um, yeah. So you know, you've mentioned it. The the upside to super is tax, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that once you invest it, it remains invested. I think that's a, a brilliant upside to superannuation is that once you once you put it in there, you can't get your little grubby it's hands a, back on it again and a, waste it. It's a, yeah. it's a great feature. It's a great feature. And then the downside on the opposite side of that is that um, for some people it is a downside that you can't get your grubby little hands back at it because um, you want it for something, you know, something else. Um, which, is, <laughs> which is usually not in pursuit of your future retirement. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. you know, I say that usually. Yeah. Um, it's not always the case. Yeah, but, but, you know, but, but you mentioned it. Superannuation is, is an investment. The managed investment, isn't it? That's exactly you know, right. But just about everyone has. So yeah. if you... If you don't know what else to do, then super is not a bad, bad, bad place to start. Yeah. Um, but you know, then, then there are the intricacies around it. So as you get a bit more free cash flow, and, you, and as you start to define what your goals are, mm. then um, yeah, maybe some of your spare cash flow would be best going into non-super investments or savings if you've got short-term goals and, and medium-term goals. It's but, exactly yeah. right. But um, yeah, your point is. It, there's no other investment in Australia where you can spend a hundred hundred dollars. Um, I'm just trying to think of the numbers here. Uh, spend a hundred dollars, invest a hundred dollars, and it only cost you sixty. 
exactly right. Yeah, that that that, that, that cost you sixty yeah, yeah. sixty three dollars or something yeah, be, because, to, to invest a hundred dollars yeah, into be, Super because of the because of the tax effectiveness mm, of it. Yeah. There's no other investment in Australia that charges you a tax rate of fifteen cents in the dollar mm, on your earnings. Um, on your yeah. earnings. Yeah. Um, so once we sort of pull the whole mystical piece of, of Super away a little bit, and all it ends up being is just say, an investment account that's a tax structure mm-hmm. locked away. For a you know for a prescribed period of time until you made a retirement condition of release, there's other conditions of release, but um, might go into them. So it's just interesting. Yeah. Yep, it's it just is. my thoughts. We're nearly out of time, and uh, next episode I might talk a little bit about um, one of the fears around super, which is that the government just wants to get their hands on it. That's a good point. Mm. So let's talk about the grubby government getting their hands on your money. Um, and, 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 and maybe some and of the, the things that you can and, do to yeah. prevent that from happening. Yep. Maybe, we've, maybe we, can, we, can, we can criticise but also provide a solution. Let's do that. All right, our 40 minutes is up. Good stuff, Steve. So thanks for another good episode of The Money Mendeley. I felt like I was just talking the whole time. Yeah, well, that's what we're here for. Yeah, good point. Um, remember, everyone, spread the word. Yep. Um, grow the movement, the Money Men movement. Um, leave a review, send an email, whatever you want to do, and we'll catch up again next fortnight. Sounds good. See you See later. See you then.